On today's show, we look into the extended fallout of the Nate McMillan dismissal on Tuesday with some context there. And then later on in the podcast, we talk to Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs about Friday's matchup between the Hawks and the Cavs as the second quote-unquote half of the season begins for Atlanta. We'll have all that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1418 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday. And today's show, we'll be diving into myriad topics with regard to Nate McMillan and his fallout after the dismissal on Tuesday, as well as later in the show, we'll be talking to Chris Manning about Hawks Cavs on Friday. And I want to start the podcast by welcoming you to the show, number one, and also thanking you for making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and we're also on video over on YouTube. I am not in my usual studio, so my apologies for that, at least for this first part. I record with Chris on Tuesday evening, so that's my normal aesthetic there but some reactions here. Also, I posted some bonus audio only with regard to Landry Fields speaking to the media on Wednesday morning. It's about 20 minutes or so. If you want the full unedited context of Landry and all the questions and answers, you can find that there. Before we get to Chris, though, uh, just sort of the Cliff's Notes version of Landry speaking to the media and also what I've been hearing in the last 24 hours or so. I do recommend listening to my emergency podcast that dropped on Tuesday evening for my quick reactions and sort of the context and the analysis there. But uh, just we'll kind of go through what Landry had to say and what I've been hearing as of Wednesday morning. Landry opened up things by kind of thinking Nate McMillan, which is the way it should be. Obviously, I know Hawks fans don't always love Nate at this point, but um, with, with a guy who's is, as respected as Nate is, that's not, that's not a huge surprise. Landry kind of, before, before he took any questions, wanted to thank Nate for his time in Atlanta. He did reference when, when asked about kind of what was uh, going into decision-making, talking about overall quote-unquote slippage in recent days and made sure to say that it was not all on Nate by any means, but that the players needed to be, count- be accountable as well, but talks about how he believes the roster is talented, should be performing better than it has been. Something that I echo, by the way, I've been saying that for quite some time. This is a team that should be better than 29 and 30, and you know Nate plays a part in that for sure. And uh, Landry plays as far as to say that it is, quote, not acceptable, end quote, to have uh, the record that they have at this point in time, which I would certainly echo at this stage because, as I've said a number of times, the Hawks have not had huge injury problems this year. In previous years, that was sort of the crutch that I know fans talked about, and I think rightly so, and so did the team. This time around, that is not really an excuse that they could possibly use when you look at all the context around all that. He got some questions predictably about Trey Young and his relationship with Nate and how much that had to do with things. He downplayed that predictably as well. He talks more about how all the players were not responding, and that was part of why he felt that it was time to move on from Nate at this juncture. I honestly thought about talking about this on the emergency podcast, but I don't think it's even really a topic that needs to be worth discussing. But because I was asked about it a lot in the last, you know, last few hours, some national outlets have run with the coach killer moniker with Trey Young, and I think that's not fair at this point. Uh, Landry pushed back on that as well. And I think that's obviously, you know, anytime your star player is in the mix and you've gone through two coaches now, um, he's going to get some pushback. And clearly he has the biggest voice in the locker room. With that said, I think that he had probably a bigger part with regard to the Pierce move than with the Nate move. And Landry did say that it was not Trey like calling for that, anything like that. 
And I think the uh, results really were the issue much more so than relationship with Trey. Um, you know, obviously it would be better if your coach and star player were like in lockstep. I'm not sure Nate and Trey were, but it wasn't, at least from what I hear, like untenable by any means between Nate and Trey. So I would push back on just the uh, very sort of natural top level analysis from uh, people that don't really know what's going on in Atlanta, talking about how, you know, it's obviously, you know, Trey got Nate, Nate, Nate McMillan fired. I wouldn't go down that road really at this point in time. I think it was really the results. And as Landry got into being 29 and 30 at this point and maybe just kind of losing um, the voice that, you know, the Hawks wanted to have uh, maybe a different voice along the way. Landry did say also that he is contemplating this decision for the last month or so. That's a long time in NBA context. Um, I'm not surprised by that. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he said it, to be honest, just because it kind of makes you look like you were a little bit waffly on it. But at the same time, um, that's usually how these things go for the most part. It's rarely an overnight decision, even if uh, obviously the last couple losses before the break were pretty rough for Atlanta. He did say and uh, reiterated what he sort of talked about with Jeff Schultz, that they are immediately and aggressively, was the quote, looking for a new head coach at this point in time. There is a possibility that another coach could be named before the end of the season. I do think if you listen to that audio and also what I've been hearing behind the scenes, I'll be surprised if they hire someone soon. Um, there's a possibility, as we'll talk about in a second with Quinn Snyder, of course, who's not really employed right now, but it did not seem like the guy who was ready to make a hire in the next couple of days and roll it out before the second half of the season starts. Um, it seemed like Joe Prenti is going to be in charge for a little bit of time if I had to uh, read between the lines a little bit on what was going to be said there. But as he said, and as I noted on my show yesterday, there is some advantage to being the first mover and being able to talk to guys. In fact, Landry acknowledged, because he can, that Quinn Snyder is a candidate. And he talked about there being a pool of candidates for sure, and he did just kind of make the obvious connection that Quinn is someone he could actually feel comfortable naming because he is not employed somewhere else right now. But I would say there is not really coincidence in my mind that there were full-on lists of candidates being leaked to reporters like Woj and Shams within minutes of Nate McMillan being dismissed. That's not a coincidence. Now you, that comes from the Hawks on some level. Um, and as a reminder from the emergency podcast, that list of reported candidates, at least as of right now from Woj and Shams is Quinn Snyder at the top, Kenny Atkinson, Charles Lee, Jordy Fernandez, Mitch Johnson, and Miles Simon have all been named as at least reported candidates. But again, Later's not going to get into names other than Quinn because he obviously is available. It talks about Ime Udoka and the potential stuff there. Um, I'm not going to tell you that's not a that he's not a candidate. I will say, and people kind of noticed this and sent me this quote a couple different times. Um, Landry said, "quote character is something that's high on our list." End quote. And people asked me kind of if that was a direct way to cross Udoka off the list. I wouldn't say that. Just to be very clear, I'm not saying that that makes Udoka not a candidate. But it remains notable to me that no one still, you know, 20 hours or so later as I record this podcast, no one has reported that you is a candidate despite the fact that he's not under contract anywhere else right now. And I think maybe the Hawks don't want to have that PR battle. And again, you know, the, the character references, et cetera. We'll see if that uh, crosses him off. But for now, if people keep asking me a question over and over again. I'm not sure they, they listened to the last podcast or whatever. I get it. Udoka's an accomplished guy, led the team to a finals run, but I keep hearing behind the scenes that he might be unhirable, and I'm not sure that he's going to be on the list for the Hawks at this point in time, but we will see if that changes in the near future. Uh, Landry also, also talked extensively about emotional intelligence, reinforcing what he said in the press release, announcing Nate's dismissal, and also to what he said to Jeff Schultz about development, player development, I should say, and accountability and the ability to motivate players. Lots of you know GM speak there, but certainly some stuff that you want to at least circle as far as priorities, especially with, with regard to player development and motivation behind the scenes. And then lastly, 
He said he's not talked to Joe Prunty yet about whether he'll be in the mix for the full-time job, but he basically just said that he told Prunty to be on task for the task at hand. That makes a lot of sense. Jamal McMillan is, is still going to be on the staff, by the way. Nate's son is, gonna, is still an assistant with the team. No other shakeups there. Uh, the team was all informed in the last day or so. I know DeJounte Murray spoke to media on Wednesday and said he actually talked to Nate overnight. So, um, you know, normal stuff in a lot of ways. Not a ton of, like, massive breaking news with regard to what Landry said, but kind of the checklist there. I, I definitely recommend listening to the entire thing for some context. He, you know, gave some, uh, you know, some pre-direct answers, also some GM speak answers, as you might expect at this point in time. But for now, the Hawks now have a run to go ahead and, you know, get their ducks in a row to hire the next coach. Uh, Quinn Snyder was certainly the topic of conversation before, during, after that press conference, and he could be hired now. But as I, I think I said even previously, I'll say it one more time now, if you're Quinn Snyder, yes, you could sign with the Hawks right now to be their coach either immediately or starting next season. But the, one of the reasons people kind of have asked me why he wouldn't just take over now, um, if you're Quinn Snyder, a guy who's had a lot of accomplishments as a top 10 coach in the league in my mind, you don't want to come over and uh, take over a staff that you didn't hire. Generally speaking, someone with that kind of gravitas is not going to come over and just take on the assistants that were already there. And that's part of the challenge of why coaches don't usually come from outside the organization and take over a team midseason. And when they do do that, it's usually, honestly, I think always, at least, that, at least that I can find in the last couple of decades, when a coach takes over midseason outside the organization, they take over a team that is not trying to win anymore, that they're out of the mix. The Hawks are in the middle of the playoff race, and Landry did not cross off the potential of hiring someone in the middle of the season. But it did not seem like there was a lot of uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, urgency to go ahead and do that in the next couple of days or weeks at this stage. And I think Snyder is the guy that I have I keep hearing is probably the favorite at this point. But obviously he has to want to come to Atlanta. And then there are other candidates that if he's not the guy that they have to wait on, uh, we, well, we, logistically, they probably have to wait on guys like Charles Lee and Kenny Atkinson for a long time. Those guys are on playoff teams. So we'll see what happens in the future. All right. We'll have more on this, of course, in the near future. Joe Prunty takes over for the Hawks as they open things up on Friday against the Cavs. That's a nice, interesting challenge. And after uh, a little bit of a hiatus here, we'll get back into my conversation with Chris Manning. So set stage here a little bit. The Cavs play on Thursday, but the Hawks open up on Friday. So keep that in mind. And we'll talk about that throughout the conversation with Chris. But I wanted to go ahead and get some preview content going because it's not often that you have a week and a half between games in the NBA and the Cavs. Honestly, it's a pretty interesting measuring stick for the Hawks at this point because they are the number four seed in the East. This is a good team. They're coming to Atlanta. Our friends at FanDuel have this game as a pretty close projection right now, at least as of 48 hours before tip-off. So plenty to get to. And without further delay, here's my conversation with Chris Manning on Hawks-Cavs on Friday. I am joined now by one half, or perhaps the better half, of the Lots on Cavs podcast. Chris Manning is here with me. Chris has been on this show. I've been on his show. And the Hawks open the second half of the season. I use half in giant quotation marks. It's not really a half of the season. <laughs> but... I'm joined by Chris May to discuss Hawks, Cavs, and more. Hello, Chris. Welcome back to the podcast. Brad, it's good to see you. We talk, you know, regularly, but it's good to to see you and good to podcast with you. I'm really sorry the team you're covering is <laughs> is uh, just making your life chaotic, but you know, here we are. At this is life in the NBA, baby. It is life. Uh, usually, you have a little bit of a respite post deadline, as you know, like massive emergency podcast news doesn't usually happen after the deadline. Maybe like a season-long injury or something like that could prompt something like that. But generally speaking, your emergency podcast happened pre-deadline. And now I had one earlier this week on David Millen. And uh, honestly, on the Hawks side, as far as like schematic things, like it's kind of a big question mark. It's the same staff. We're going to talk about Hawks Cavs and, you know, on the Hawks side, I kind of have a big shrug emoji right now. I, I know what the team looks like. I we're recording this early enough, but we don't know what the injury situation is going to be at that point. You know, John Collins 
concussion protocol, et cetera. And also we should just say at the top, the Cavs actually play a game before they play the Hawks. They play a back-to-back advantage Hawks, Chris, is because Cleveland has to play on Thursday at home. But um, before we dive into the game itself, like the Cavs are pretty good, huh? It seems like the Cavs are pretty good. They're what number two in net rating as of the all-star break and uh, number one in defense. It seems like the Donovan Mitchell experiment's gone well. Uh, I guess I'll just get a vibe check from you at the top here. How, how good are the Cavs? They're very good. I, I don't have them in that upper echelon like tier of contenders. Like I think the best two teams in the East are Milwaukee and Boston. I think Cleveland and Philly are probably somewhere around each other. But this team, the net, you know, like they have one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best. They have a really positive net rating. I think like Evan Mobley's leap is happening right now. It's not, you know, maybe the traditional kind of leap we see, but like I, I think if you watch Dane and Dale look at some of the numbers, like that leap is happening. Donovan Mitchell has I think has played the best basketball of his career with the Cavs so far. And Darius Garland like had an all star season without being named an all star. So like this team is is very good. They're gonna, you know, get to fifty wins. I think they're gonna make. They're gonna be a hard out in the playoffs. And um, Brett, I, I actually, I mean, I think about more than I'd like to admit. Like the Cavs, the Wolves, and the Hawks in relation to the summer. And I think the Cavs are obviously very happy with with their trade. I think they feel good about it. Do you, you know, I I don't know if the Wolves are really happy at this point. Like that's been. They're they're, they're probably better. not. They're probably probably not. not. I, would, I would guess. But like, is, is Atlanta happy? Like, I, I is Atlanta happy with where things are at? Right? Maybe not. Obviously, because Nate McMillan just got fired. But I, like, I was gonna they, like, say it's it's so hard to like. My answer would have been a little bit different maybe a week ago because the organization is so unstable. But I don't think it's because of the Murray trade. Like through that prism, I think you know they certainly didn't want to be twenty nine and thirty as they are right now, which leads to a head coach firing in the middle of the All Star break and you know, the, the president of basketball operations left in the middle of the season. There's been a lot of upheaval in Atlanta. I guess maybe part of that, like if, if the Hawks had been, let's say, let's say the Hawks had the Cavs record right now and the Hawks mm-hmm. were the three seed or four seed. Would that, would all that have happened? I kind of think not. I think, I think Travis Slank's probably still here. I think Nate McMillan is probably still in his job. So on that side, maybe you have to say they're not thrilled, but I think Murray's played fine. I mean, they, they've kind of gotten, whereas like to use your example, Minnesota, I think especially early in the year, there was like a Rudy Gobert isn't as good anymore cycle. Whereas DeJounte Murray is like, he's played well. It's just that he hasn't made like the individual impact on winning. But I think if you watched him closely, like he wasn't going to you know transform their franchise by himself anyway. And I think clearly, you know, Mitchell um, has done more for his team than the Hawks have gotten out of, uh, out of Murray or the Wolves have gotten out of Gobert. But it's an interesting parallel for sure. I mean, you and I talked about this a lot before the season started. There were lots of Cavs versus Hawks discussions and i think most people had the Cavs ahead of the hawks preseason but it was fairly close and it hasn't been close this season so far so that separation and you know just the, the mirror images of teams that have these two standout backcourts these interesting mm-hmm. front courts with these two you know they kind of kind of play two bigs a lot like they're kind of similar in the way they're built but obviously the Cavs have been uh, a lot better so far yeah and i i think i i think there's like reason for that like structurally like i i think you know, you've documented it really well on your show. It's like I think what Trey Young season has been like. A, it hasn't maybe been the Trey Young season that like you maybe have needed to kind of to hit the level you might have liked if you're Atlanta. You know, I know Capella's kind of like was great to come out the gate, and it's not been the same exact level since, which is a which is a huge huge problem. You know, the Bogdanovich injury stuff. Like everything is just kind of like not worked, and that stuff builds up. And whatever happened with Nate McMillan, like obviously just kind of like builds up with that. Like I don't know what the the lines are going to be on Fanduel on Friday for this, but like I'm, I'm I, I actually it. do right now, Chris. Are you ready? They for have this? a line. We have a line already. There's a line. I checked this while we were talking. Um, now, granted, it will probably move 
because yeah. the Cavs have a game and injury reports and things. But midweek, as we're talking, the Hawks are actually favored by a point. I mean, at home, so you get like what? It's in Atlanta and arrest and and, and, the, and the rest advantage. So I think you know you figure new coach, new coach bump, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, you figure like obviously neutral rest, neutral court. The Cavs would be favored by a couple points, I'd imagine at least. Yeah. Um, but if you f- you flip it to say the game's in Atlanta and Cleveland's got to travel and all that, I'm not surprised to see that number necessarily. But I'm sure people would be like, "Wait, aren't the Cavs like a lot better than the Hawks?" The answer to that is yes, so far. But I think if you just kind of take one step further, and I'm always kind of a nerd about this, about like looking yeah. at line and what they mean. It's just you. Be- if, if if the Cavs didn't play the night before, they'd probably be favored in the game. I would yeah. imagine. Just my guess. Yeah, I, and I, look, I, I think these teams will be parallels going forward. Like, I mean, like, you know, it's Mitchell and Young, it's Garland and Murray, who are, like, you know, both clutch clients. And, you know, it's I, I think the Garland-Trey comparisons in some ways, like, I think are really interesting because of, of the way they play and, and all of that. Like, they're part of that group of, of really interesting young point guards, like, and there's so many of them, and they're too, you know, at the very near the top there. Um, I don't like – I also just like – I don't like, and I think the thing that maybe Cleveland had in its favor, and, you, and this would be a reason, like I think about them in this matchup, and if like let's say it works out that like the Cavs and the Hawks they like, pull in the playoffs, which probably isn't going to happen, but let's just like say like it worked out that way, and you look at their futures, it's just like I I think Cleveland maybe just had like a little bit ascending in a way that maybe things haven't worked the way for Atlanta. Is is that like accurate? Just like Evan Mobley has ascended, you got you're getting Mitchell on the upswing, Garland upswing like you know i think jared allen's pretty much been solid but like maybe you haven't got the same like upswing of youth in in kind of progress in the way that like cleveland i think has really benefited from is that is that a fair way to look at what's what's going on in atlanta Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year, make sure you check out the award-winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I really love it, and I know that you will too. It's really an amazing place to fire off your daily fantasy takes each and every day. It's very easy to use. I've been playing there for a while, and it's really a breeze to operate. All you have to do is pick two six players and actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists, steals, etc. And at Prize Picks, worth 25 times the money on any entry that you're putting together. They offer numbers on sports across the board. Beyond the NBA, of course, they have college basketball and the NFL and college football and MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals at Price Picks, and they're operating in more than 30 states. That includes Georgia. Plus, they're in Canada at this point. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Sign up by DFS right now. First time users can have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at Price Picks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're in the market for a delicious treat right now, but you don't want all the fat and calories to come along with it, try a Built Bar today. And one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier in 2023. And if you're anything like me, having that taste is really important as well, in, in addition to being healthy. And if that sounds like you at all, Built Bar is a perfect option. With Built Healthy is tasty, and they're so delicious that you won't actually believe they're actually healthy for you at this stage. And Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, they have real chocolate on them, and they come in a ton of awesome flavors across the board. That includes peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. My personal favorite is cookies and cream. Built Bar tastes like candy bars with 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar to go along with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait to get them right now. In fact, Built.com is an awesome place 
for, for built bars. I've been telling you for a long time to go there and it's still a fantastic option for selection and variety and convenience, all that fun stuff. But if you want to get them faster, Sam's club or Walmart have them in stock right now. That's right. Walk into Walmart and grab a box of built bars right now. Or if you're closer to a Sam's club, get a 13 bar box in a hurry over at Sam's club. Make sure to check out built bar anywhere you like to get your built bars at this point in time and dive in today. I think that is fair. I mean, the, the only, if you go player for player, it's hard to find guys on the Hawks roster that have been like demonstrably better this year than even last year. And they're still a relatively young team. They don't have a ton of like aging vets, you know, Capella's, um, you know, certainly a back half of his prime guy, Donovich kind of same thing, but you know, you get on the list, the only guy who has been, I think like clearly better this year than last year is DeAndre Hunter. And he's not made this huge stride forward. He's been better mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and you know, if they're looking like sort of line for line, position by position, he, the, the, the three spots the, is the one area where the Hawks would seemingly be better than the Cavs pretty clearly is because that's, of course, the famous issue the Cavs have, as you discuss every day on, on your show. Um, that's their big question mark. But it's not like DeAndre Hunter's blowing you out of the water at that spot. And, you know, Trey has been much better recently. I want to actually, like, give Trey some flowers on his defense. Like, he's actually played better defense the last few weeks, and he's got a shooting on track, and he's been better. But early in the season, like, he, he wasn't playing as well. John Collins offensively is having his worst season in his career at this point, basically, on offense. Better on defense, but still. Capella, same. he's been kind of the same guy. So whereas you get, like, this infusion with Mitchell, who's probably having his best season of his career, like, he's been incredible, um, whereas Murray's not doing that. Like, he's been fine, but he's not taking a step forward like Mitchell did. Garland's taken a step forward despite not making the all-star team, I think, um, comparison to the previous year. I think he's been better this year. I mean, you, you can correct me on that, but it feels like he's been a step forward, uh, which makes yeah, sense given his age. I do. And then Mobley clearly is like, no matter where you fall on the Evan Mobley is Tim Duncan scale, which is kind of hilarious for the, like, going back a year or so, like he's still really good. And what is he, 20? So they, they have kind of that, the Hawks are young, but the Cavs have had their guys are just a little bit younger and like, I think more ascendant to use your word because uh, Trey kind of is, is already there, whereas like Mobley clearly isn't where he's going to be yet. And then, you know, the Hawks have like a Kongwu is on the rise, but not going to be – he's not there yet. He's still a backup on this team. AJ Griffin is their next guy, but he's still a rookie. So, like, they're kind of in the in, in between where, like, all their main guys have kind of been the same or worse this year, and their young guys are not quite ready to be, like, in big, bold letters yet. Yeah, and, like, I, I think it, you look at, like, just Trey and you look at – and you look at the and you look at just Garland and you look at Mitchell. Like I think like this, there's like a story to tell of like what has worked with those guys and what hasn't. And it's maybe not like the most like fun thing. And like I think some of Trey stuff is probably maybe just variants. Like the three point shooting probably just like figures itself out over time based on like his track record. And that that is what it is. Th- these things can be weird. It's just, and like I think there's a world where like the like. The Cavs are not like far off some of their last year's stuff, and they added Donovan Mitchell, who's their best player. And like, there's some weirdness in that, right? Like, they're like these things are can cannot always like make sense in the way that I think we would expect them to. Like, they 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 can be weird and funky and, and not make sense. And like, I mean, just, I mean, they get to another team, but like, think about like the the Knicks, who like Atlanta beats in the playoffs a couple years ago, and like they're ahead of the standings this year. And Julius Randle's like kind of reverted to form a little bit, but like. Is that like fluky? Is that just like random? Like some of the stuff I just sometimes I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like there's there's stuff you can explain it with, but it's also just like maybe you just have like an unlucky year. And like whoever, I don't know who you would, I, I haven't had the pleasure of listening to your breakdown of the, the McMillan thing yet. I don't know who the next coach is, but like that feel, this feels like a very like, like I think JB getting Bickerstaff after they got, sorry, no offense to the University of Michigan, go blue, but John Beeline did not work. 
J.B. Bickerstaff did, and like he, in the way he works now, like very much has like I think the respect and the pulse of the locker room. You kind of need that in this NBA, and like maybe just the right coach unlocks some things for Atlanta that aren't there. Maybe you get that boost, not just in the short term with the new, the new interim coach bump, but like whoever they hire, maybe that unlocks some things that kind of fixes some of the roster stuff or things that just haven't worked right just this year under McMillan. Yeah, I mean, it, it could. I, I think this it's kind of a holding pattern. I think, you know, maybe the Hawks will surprise me and everybody else by like actually making a mid season outside the organization coaching change. Like that's been a popular topic from Hawks fans, like because Quinn Snyder is out there and not coaching, like it's at least conceivable, but short of a surprise, like they're going to, it's still named McMillan staff. Like Joe Prunty is not going to like overhaul his team immediately. You know what I mean? Um, and I know there are obvious parallels with, between Lloyd Pierce being fired mid season going to McMillan, but that was so obviously going to be Nate the whole time. And he was hired basically in part to take over for Lloyd Pierce. <laughs> like it was kind of just this very obvious setup. Whereas Joe Prunty, all due respect is not having that same level of gravitas, but maybe just a new voice. Like I said on my reaction show, like this is not even necessarily an indictment of Nate, who I know Hawks fans kind of just bailed on a long time ago, but just sometimes it's just, you're kind of tuning a guy out and a new guy can be helpful. Even if it's already a guy who's already been there. Um, so we'll see, but I'm not anticipating like massive sweeping changes for this year. It's more like a future facing thing. And it's kind of so, it's so weird not to go down this rabbit hole with you necessarily, but the Hawks are in this spot where they're not bad enough to look to the future. Like just clearly, like when the, when the wolves hired Chris Finch in the middle of the season outside organization, they were bad. And it was just, okay, like this season doesn't matter. Let's just go ahead and hire this guy and, and, and put him in. The Hawks are like leaking to Woj and making statements about how this season still matters to them. And like, it should. I mean, they're a 500 team, but they're right in the middle of the playoff picture. But you have to walk that that, that sort of tightrope between like this season mattering means they're not going to probably go outside. And also like this season mattering may hamper them in the future, like because they can't make decisions or at least firm public decisions. So I don't know. I'm going to be intrigued. I, I can already tell you right now, there'll be a lot of overreactions to Friday's game. Oh yeah. No matter what happens. Oh yeah. If the Hawks oh, yeah. win, if the Hawks beat Cleveland, and we, as we just discussed, our friends at FanDuel make the Hawks favored in the game. But no matter, no matter how many times I say that between now and then the Hawks are favored in this game and quote unquote should win. If they beat, if they beat the Cavs, it's going to be, don't, didn't you guys see David Millen was the worst coach in the league? And now that it's anybody but him, they're going to win every game the rest of the season. That's going to be the reaction, which is fine. And that's predictable and I understand it, but like I need to see a lot more than 10 games, much less one game. But I, I'm, uh, it's an interesting test for both sides. I mean, Cleveland has an even harder test, you know, home for Denver on Thursday, I believe is the schedule. Mm -hmm. um, that's, of course, a more difficult game in some respects. But for the Cavs, it's like an interesting little, little wrinkle. Like, okay, second, second out of a back to back after a long break against a team that's like, presumably going to be pretty dialed in. I can't, I, I think the Hawks, the Hawks will be pretty focused on Friday's game. Yeah. And look, I, I will say this from the cast perspective. Like I think that the rest of the season does really, will really matter to them. I think they are in a position where they have the fourth easy schedule the rest of the way. And they have like a, a they have a tough, tough fish late to start. Like they get Miami twice in three days. They have Boston twice in, in their first, I think eight games. So like, and then they like later in the year, they get the Hornets like three times, which is just like a, a blessing from the scheduling gods. If you're a team trying to get playoff seating in, in 2023, but 
Like, they need to, like, if the Cavs are going to have a real shot at being the three seed or getting the best seed possible they can in the East, they have to, like, win a game like Friday. And I, there's been times this year where they haven't always shown up since the, they lost to the Heat at home a little bit ago. And, and when Dylan Brooks hit uh, Donovan Mitchell below the belt, there's been a little bit more of an edge that didn't really show up in the Philly game right before the break. But if that edge is there, I would also expect a Cavs team that is dialed in and, they they do need to win these kinds of games if they're going to maximize their seeding. Maybe this leads to to a fun. Maybe this leads to a fun like Donovan Mitchell Trey Young shootout or something. Or Isaac Okoro like chasing around Trey Young. Like these are things I would like to watch. Yeah, I, I hope everybody's healthy. I hope Collins plays. I hope that you know the Cavs are at relatively full strength in the game, and we'll we'll kind of see what this could look like. And you know, we're I purposely not going down this rabbit hole, but there's a uh, I will say a non-zero chance this could be a playoff matchup. It's not likely at this point because you probably you probably need the the Cavs to get to the two, which I don't think is going to happen. But it's plausible, or maybe the Hawks get scalding hot and get to six, and Cleveland's three. I think it's not likely to happen, which is why we're not doing a ton of that. And also, if we have to do that, we'll talk about it a lot more in April. But these are you know, for the Hawks for sure. It's like a measuring stick game. Like, all right, Cleveland's not quite Boston or Milwaukee, like you kind of laid out earlier. But they're the next step down, and that's, that's a team that looks a lot like you on paper that hasn't that's been a lot better than you this year. Can now go out at home. I'm tr- probably probably a good crowd on a Friday night, and just kind of see what happens. And uh, like you said, Trey versus Mitchell in itself is interesting. And then you get the the number two battle between you know Garland and Murray is all, also fun, and how they deal with Mobley. And there's all kinds of matchup things, and I'm intrigued. For sure. Who does uh let, let me just ask you this and then we'll go. Who does Murray defend? Uh I would imagine he'll be on Mitchell. Okay. But uh okay, so here's here's actually a good uh we'll do some brief matchup stuff here. Uh yeah. who, who's gonna start at the three for the Cavs? Isaac Okoro. He's okay, that locked so down now. I, I would imagine that's what I thought. I just want to make sure. I, I would imagine if I had to guess, actually, now I'm thinking about this more. I think you might see Hunter on Mitchell. And Murray and Murray on Garland and Trey on Okoro. Okay, I get that makes sense. Occasionally, makes sense. when 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 there is a wing to hide Trey on, they are not they are very willing to do that um, because Hunter is good on guards, like he's mm-hmm. pretty good on small guards, and um, that's kind of the theory. Now, again, Trey has been better defensively, but I think if you don't have to have him guard Darius Garland, you probably would like to take advantage of that opportunity. So, and maybe maybe Okoro maybe Okoro beats them with that. I mean, but I think if that happens, you got to tip your cap. It's one of those things yeah. where that's probably what I would do. I don't know about this coaching staff now, especially with Joe Prenti, who knows, but um, I'll keep an eye on that. It may not seem conventional to have Trey as small as he is defending a small forward, but they've done it before. And they, and certainly in this matchup, given that Cleveland has two very, very good guards, hiding Trey is a pretty good option. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That And if Okor has been better of late, this is maybe a good test for him to, to see how he does it with Trey. If they try to try hide Trey on him, to test for for how much the improvement maybe feels real in, in that kind of that kind of setting. Local product, Isaac Cora, of course, right. famously right. from that's right from down he the went, street. He went to uh, Atlanta for All Star break. He went home. That was like the only post he had over Instagram the whole entire break. Back <laughs> I love that you just are dialed in on Isaac Cora's Instagram over the break. This, you're a true you're a true diehard, my friend. You're always that's, dialed in. Well, look, um, I you know you know we we know what's up with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Okoro's like a special like weird weird. Uh, <laughs> point of intrigue for me so you know like good for you're, you're much more uh i should probably be better about monitoring social media of hawks players to be honest but i don't Brad's I don't like do I've, well I've been watching trey young tiktoks for hours i don't even know if trey I, has a TikTok I don't know either I, I i follow most of the guys on twitter uh, and most of them are candidly quite boring um oh yeah most athletes are bad guys on twitter. guys That's will have uh you know trey 
Trey is famously bad on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. quite funny. Uh, it's kind of an almost an endearing way the this the stuff he says, the corniness and all that. But um, they have some guys that are fun. Like Bogey's been pretty fun. Capella's not bad on social media. Anyway, we're down the rabbit hole. Chris, thank you for being here. Please plug what you have going on. I know in addition to Locked On Cash, you have a new podcast. I hear yeah, with my with, with our other our other nemesis, Brendan Clean. <laughs> yeah, shout out Brendan Clean. Uh, check out the Just Basketball Show. We're actually going to be on the newest episode we have out. We're going to talk about uh, Nate McMillan and the Atlanta Hawks. So if you want like Hawks content, <laughs> yes, you can hear me and Brendan talk about it. It's maybe not for Brad because he just lives in breezy. If anyone wants extra stuff, go check out the Just Basketball Show. You can get that wherever you get podcasts twice a week. All things WNBA, NBA. Uh, it's it's been really fun to launch that and do that with Brendan. Uh, Brett, Brett, I'm going to ask you now on the air. We've Brett, Brett and I have already kind of privately uh-huh. discussed this, but you're going to come on and do a basketball like betting episode with us, okay? Sure, whatever you need. Uh, you're probably better off with like someone smarter than me, um, like I don't know Matt Moore or something who's, who does this for a nah, living. Nah, 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 but uh, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm happy to do whatever you need I'm, to do, Chris. I'm uh, go I, my my drinking a hot chai tea in Vegas King Brad Roland. That's that is a move that I do at summer yeah. league regularly. Yeah. Um, I certainly would recommend checking out the work of Chris. Uh, both at Lots on Caps and also on his new endeavor with Brendan. Uh, as for everybody else on this podcast, please subscribe to this show. Again, follow Chris, follow me if you want to. And we'll see you all next time.